welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I've got a special guest for you today, Leonard Pimentel. Len actually plays with us in our Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea game. We run every other Wednesday, and he is the lead designer of Prowlers and Paragons Ultimate Edition and Buy This Axe I Hack. Len, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's uh, terrific to be here. It's an honor. Thank you. It's good to have you. Uh, you've been on before when we talked about Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, so some of our guests may be familiar with you already, or some of our guests, some of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, absolutely. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some of your games and how you got into writing those games, and uh, yeah, I think people might be interested in that. I know I am. Uh, okay, excellent. Well, I mean, when I first, I've been hacking, and I think when I grew up playing D&D, we all hacked stuff one way or another. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's like, always I've hacked get games. <laughs> yeah, for sure, especially back in the olden days, I remember that, you know, we were playing AD&D. Um, I don't know anybody whose group didn't have somebody who had a lightsaber or a pair of Wolverine claws. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that those were not official TSR uh, products, but but we wanted Wolverine claws and lightsabers. By you know, <laughs> gosh darn it! And so, so I think we hacked stuff from the from the very beginning. And um, um, and I just always had an impulse to like if I saw something that I thought I could do better, um, I'm gonna try to do it. I remember when Marvel TSR. When the Marvel superheroes, the face rip game came out. I, I love that game so much that we had a lot of fun with. I got I got a box of the 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 later one, not the first one, the yellow one, but the blue box I got right there on my shelf. A whole I have bunch the of yellow, modules. The orange <laughs> and the blue. All up there on my shelf. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, um, but when uh, the original one came out, the yellow box and yep. the orange, uh, with the uh, yellow and orange books. Um uh, we played it, we loved it, but I thought it needed some more complexity. So I wrote like a five or 10 page things you could do to make the rules better and sent them to TSR and God bless them. They wrote back. Oh. I wish I still had that letter, but they wrote back and they're like, thank you very much, but we're going to be implementing some stuff that I think you'll like that is along the lines of this. And sure enough, then they came out with the advanced game. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I thought that was very cool. But, but in any case, so that, that kind of got me going and I think ever since then, I sort of had the bug, and um, I was designing my own superhero game for a very long time, not my own generic RPG for a very long time, and I mean a very long time. Um, <laughs> How uh, much of that made it into some of the games that you have now? Um, heart and soul and some architectural, some, some, some underpinnings, some, some of the ironwork <laughs> underneath it. <laughs> But a lot of stuff changed. In fact, I had um, discs because this was back in the day when you had stuff on discs. I had discs in a briefcase in, the, in my car one time uh, in a mall in New Jersey. Uh, and my car got broken into and the discs were stolen. And everything I had designed up to that point, which is probably five years of design, was gone. All of oh, it. Oh, that's horrible. So I didn't feel great. I'm not going to lie. No, no, no that's punchline. terrible. Everything. Everything that I designed after that was so much better than everything that had come before. I think I needed to sort of burn the ships to do that. So, um, but in any case, so I went forward from there. And finally, at some point, I decided, you know, with uh, a desktop publishing being what it was and everything, I'm like, you know, 
I, I think I might be able to do some of this myself. And so I finally did. And I saw some John Wick video and John Wick was talking about how better is the enemy of done. And I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe working on that game for 10, 15 years isn't necessarily going to make the best product in the whole wide world. And, and in any case, I decided I'm going to start putting stuff out. And that was that. So Prowlers and Paragons, that one was kickstarted. How long ago that was that? You said two, was that two years ago? Was kickstarted, I think about two years ago it was. Mm -hmm. um, we had some delays in a variety of different things, unfortunately. And, you know, some of it was COVID. Some of it, unfortunately, was illnesses in my family. Um, you know, my, my uh, yeah, I don't want to get into it. But there was some illnesses in my family, yeah. unfortunately, that uh, took us uh, and me as the lead designer away for a bit. But in any case, we are now thankfully fully completely fulfilled. And we've even had a subsequent Kickstarter for a supplement to it called Blood and Justice, which is an Iron Age setting. And I think that one's completely fulfilled now uh, uh, too. So, but, uh, but the original was about two years ago, I believe. Yeah. So you've played the Marvel superheroes role-playing game. How many super, like, have you done a lot of superhero role-playing in the past? You I mean, you've got a superhero role-playing game out there. Can you speak to your history there? Because I was, oh, my big yeah. one was, was the one that everybody likes to talk trash on was Heroes Unlimited. I love the game. We played it religiously for about a decade there, nonstop in the 90s. It was always Heroes Unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> it, look, Heroes Unlimited and everything by Kevin Simbeda was just, hypnotic at the time it had those cool artwork circling back to wolverine claws it had that great artwork of the cyborg guy with the claws showing how they would retract oh, yeah. the arm <laughs> and he used that in seven or eight books i mean oh, it was yeah. fantastic and they, they had teenage mutant ninja turtles which oh, i also I have that. on my shelf you'd be impressed at my rifts collection by the way i've never shown it but in any case so yeah, i'm um, a big fan of that stuff i i I've got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that turtles, but after the bomb, I, I I ran after the bomb as recently as like two or three years ago, though. I don't have the new edition of after the bomb they put. I call it new. It's probably been out for 20 years. But I got, the, <laughs> I got my old turtles ones, the old orange cover and the old, I've got those ones. And we just ran that about two or three years ago, about a year or so before COVID, we ran a small little thing with that. And it went, well, Look, love that game. I I'm a fan of old games, even if they've got some clunk to them. At some point before I die, my dream is to run a short campaign of Skyrealms of Jorun. So the fact of the matter is, I'm a, I'm a big fan of sort of obscure old games that definitely have some clunk to them. That's um, one I don't remember and I'm not familiar with. Can you tell uh, me about that? Skyrealms of Jorun, it's just weird. And honestly, there's a whole separate podcast we can do just <laughs> Skyrealms of Jorun. It's... it's it's weird and it's different than anything else at the time. And uh, it was cool as heck. And yeah, in any case, we'll, we'll, we'll go over it. But it's basically like like a future, oh my God, it's an alien planet where everything is weird and funky and there's psi powers. Um, oh, but it's not really sci-fi, it's primitive because after a war, everything's regressed. And so it's kind of like a different dark ages, but instead of being medieval, it's just kind of alien. And uh, I think what I loved about it is just that everything was alien. And, and different and the players would be exploring learning the world literally as they played um and that was just alluring but anyway the, you asked about supers games and the long and short oh. is i'm a supers game whore unfortunately <laughs> can i say that word i apologize if i can't but but if, it, if it's a supers game i've probably purchased it 
um, and bought it and read it. And if I've tried, I've tried to play it. Um, so, you know, the big ones, Marvel and DC and every version of DC, including the Shutter West End Games version, <laughs> every version of Marvel, including the one using stones that Marvel put out. And the was that pop- was that the nineties? What was the night that one they came out with in like the nineties? Like I think you're 90s? talking about the Saga edition, maybe that was they came the out with something 90s, with the card. That's the card based system. Yes, that Saga that's it. One from the nineties, that's I it. That I remember 90s. that we picked that the up. Marvel that came Stones out. edition came after that. That Batman um, DC one we ran a, for quite a, quite a few times, more than a lot of those ones. That DC one when it came out was oh. I, it was mind blowing and probably a huge influence on my design because the ideas that it brought to the table, you know, up until then it was like 36, you know, 18 strength. And then I guess if you're twice as strong, I guess your strength is 36. And then this system comes along and, be like, and, and says, no, for supers that doesn't work. So we're going to do this entirely different math of voodoo where you can get Superman and Batman in the same system on the same chart. And my head exploded. I'm like, this person needs a Nobel Prize in gaming. And if there isn't a Nobel Prize in gaming, there should be one just to give to this person. So yeah, that game was um, amazing. But uh, also Heroes Unlimited, to be very clear. <laughs> um, and a bunch of, if there's a small supers game by some indie person on drive-thru, if I find it, I buy it. Like, like to the whole podcasting world out there, if you make a supers game and you put it on drive-thru, you have one customer, me, I will buy it. <laughs> That's just the way it is. So no. um Superhero role playing was my thing. Like, like I was like really into it. I was really into comic books growing up. Now, my first role playing game was Doctor Who, the fossil one. That's the first thing I picked up because I was a junkie for Doctor Who on PBS in the eighties as a kid. I was obsessed with it. Nice. And I saw that, I was like, I have to have it. <laughs> I didn't really know what a role playing game was when I got it, but that's that was the start. <laughs> that was where it started. Fossa Doctor Who, but like even like do- old Doctor Who comics, I read so many comics as a kid that I just superhero role playing was the place where it happened for me in getting into role playing more than anything else. Excellent. I mean, for me, for me, it was D and D, but we certainly fell into supers. For us, the 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 three hardest were D and D. But funny enough, after a couple of years of D and D, we actually slid off of D and D and moved very, very quickly into not very quickly, but I. This will not surprise you. I bought every RPG and we played a bunch of stuff. We played a bunch of role, we played a bunch of role master, which I ran and, and, and a bunch of other things. But- oh, we picked up role master years ago, decades, decades ago, another century ago. But I remember getting that role master. I know we tried to play it. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember looking at that book being completely mind boggled. Like, oh man, you're going to have to run this, man. I'm not doing this. <laughs> That's all I remember about it. <laughs> it was doable. We laughed at the charts and it, it's really not, it, it, it was totally playable. It was totally fine. I still have all the art. I still have my role master stuff up there, including all my artwork that I did, you know, 300 years ago for the campaign. But, um, um, uh, but we ended up playing a lot of um, West End Star Wars and a lot of Marvel superheroes. We yeah, we played some West End Star Wars. Star Wars. Sorry? No, we definitely played some West End Star Wars back in the day, too. My, I had a buddy who used to, he was just really into Star Wars. I mean, yeah. we were all into Star Wars. But I had one buddy day, specifically yeah. that was like his, that was like his thing. It was like the Star Wars role-playing game was his. And it was a great game, too. And again, a very different take on it. Um, um I like that D6 mechanic that it uses. It's really not that complicated of a system. I appreciate that. So It's very clear that I did because 
Prowlers and Paragons, the original and Prowlers and Paragons Ultimate Edition, you can see West End Games blood flowing through it. <laughs> There's not even a question. West End Games was a definitely strong influence on me and on 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 that. So it's not 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 a question at all. Well, they have, uh, I believe, West End Games. I, now I hate saying something without looking it up first and knowing what I'm talking about. But they got a new game coming out using that system. Uh, of Lots. some sort of comic book or something I'm not familiar with some other I don't know that one specifically but the West End system is um, in use again it's never really completely fallen out of use it's been used used in a number of different things in a number of different systems um, I know that Capera Pub I know I'm mispronouncing it uh, but the folks who did Atlantis the second age and the folks who did uh, what's the Greek role-playing game, um, Hellas. Um, they put out something. What's the name of that Supers game? Uh, give me one sec. Godsend Agenda. And I think that was using D6, basically the West End system as well. So the system's never gone away completely. I mean, West End Games folded a while back, but that system's still out there. Oh, West End Games. For some reason, I thought they were still they they, was, they had resurged, resurged or something. I must be completely off there. There, I, I, you might be right. I have no idea. I mean, they folded back in the day. I'm gonna have to look this up and maybe mention it on the next podcast and a few podcasts. I'm gonna look up and see what happened to West End Games and what what, what was that Kickstarter I was looking at because I could have sworn it was West End Games doing it. Well, well as we clearly check. know, uh, you can you can use you know if west end games is gone and the name is there someone else can use it so yeah we've seen you know, that happen. my company that i do uh my rpg stuff is lakeside games and it was only much later that someone brought to my attention dude that there was a company that you know when i was a child put out all these regular board game type games that was called lakeside games and obviously it worked its way into the back of my subconscious and i didn't realize at all and so every once in a while i'll get an email from someone like hey we don't have a piece for scribble do you have a copy i'm like no wrong i'm so sorry wrong west end games <laughs> <laughs> they get you confused with the one that no longer exists yeah yeah or wrong wrong lakeside game sorry but <laughs> when you're going in and you're sitting ready to put together a system and you're you're looking at making a game how do you approach that? I wish there was one answer, but other than drink an entire fifth of tequila, I really, you know, as a first thing, uh, I, I really don't have a solid answer because the games will come from different places. So sometimes, you know, when I started, when I did the playing with the old Marvel game showed me what I didn't like about it, what I wanted to fix. And that was sort of the inspiration for doing something different. But I think at the core, it depends on what has inspired me to create the game in the first place. So, um, you know, for Prowlers and Paragons, I wanted, the, the core idea was, I want this thing to be rules light to rules medium. And so that was my first thought was, I want a system that works a certain way, that has a certain swinginess. And so I wanted, I knew the kind of dice mechanic that I wanted, and I sort of built everything around the ability to use this dice mechanic, if that makes sense. So I built it yeah. around a specific dice mechanic that I thought had the right flow. And you had to play with that mechanic in different ways, but but that was the kind of core. Um, on the other hand, for By This Axe I Hack, my sort of black hack, hack, right? I knew the system because it's basically the black hack. It's what I'm using. So for that one, the system was kind of in place. And instead, the idea there, the design there went, 
more like what changes am I going to make to the system? And what, it's such a minimal idea that the approach here was what's the least I can do to give you what you need without anything more to yeah. give you, to inspire you without drowning. You. I like that. I like that too. I like, like as, as a dungeon master, just in general or game master, when you're running a game, that's like, if I've got a core mechanic that's simple and, and I can work with, like a lot of the year zero system games do, and like kind of the West End Star Wars does, like when you got a basic system that you know, you can you can take it and do a lot of stuff with it. So, I mean, that's kind of what, what you're doing when you're writing a game. Okay, so in order to do X, Y, Z, you got to do this, et cetera, et cetera. So you just kind of expand from that mechanic. So it makes a lot of sense to me thinking about that, how many times I've been running a game and had to kind of come up with, okay, how are we going to approach this? Well, we got the core mechanic. Let's work with that. Let's see how it goes and fits in. Yep. And the only thing that I think is, and I've heard some people in talks are talking about design say like, this is the first thing you need to do it. God bless them. If they can do that, I'm not sure if I can get there, but somewhere in the process early on, I got to look at it and go, am I bringing anything to the table? Is this different? Um, not just because I call it might instead of strength. That ain't different, dude. That, that, that's not different. <laughs> Here I'm adding skill plus stat instead of stat plus skill. Stop it. Sit down. That, that's not like, am I adding something different? Is the gameplay, is there some palpable difference in gameplay? Maybe not gameplay, maybe in presentation. Look at old school essentials. There's no difference at all in anything except presentation. But oh my God, that difference means everything. Oh yeah, it's, it's, this presentation it's nice. is the product, and it's brilliant. Okay, um, in fact, I'm trying to do a little sci-fi game now where I'm trying to make it. I, I don't want to go into it too much because it's not there yet. But um, <laughs> but the way it presents is kind of the biggest shtick about it that I think makes gives it value to the gaming community. So somewhere along the lines, you got to look at your thing, or at least I look at my thing and go, "Am I bringing anything?" Well, yeah. One other thing about presentation too is that these are game books. It's not like, you know, a novel we're going to read front to back. It's not a textbook. This is going to be used in a very unique way. Like sometimes I will sit down and read a game book front to back. Not often. A lot of the times I'm looking for specific parts in that book and there's large parts I'm going to skip over. And the quicker I can find those parts, you know, the easier it is for me. When the quicker I find them at the table, the easier it is for me. So like you're saying, presentation, how you lay those books out and how they are, it has a lot to do with people's use of the game and everything else. It's a big thing. Absolutely. And I, you know what? I think there's a fine line because D&D is D&D. We all know what it is. We all know what it's about. But I will tell you that, for example, I could not put out Remember the game we mentioned, Jorun? Yes. I couldn't do Dor Jorun in Old School Essentials version. Why? Because you have no idea what it is. Because part of the reason I want to play the, the game is because reading through the book, there's this fine line where an RPG, it's both a tool to use at the game and something to inspire you to want to play the game. Yeah. You don't need to be inspired to want to play D&D. You're already there. Okay, you, I don't think you need to be inspired to play Star Wars. People know what Star Wars is or to play, you know, even cyberpunk at this point. We got it. We got it. But if there's anything that's got its own special flavor, its own character, its own something that's like, 
come here, sit down. Let me tell you why you want to play this. There, it's very, very hard. I don't even know if it's possible, frankly, to do one product that both lures you, sells you, seduces you into playing the game, and also is a really useful product while you're playing the game. You might need two different things for that, that somehow go together. I don't know. Have a, a core system book, and then you have the setting book. That sounds, yeah, familiar. Yeah. That sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen no. that somewhere. You know? One thing I love, I don't know why, I'm, I'm going to go on a completely in left field. Uh, it was the late 90s and Alternity came out, and I was so thrilled because they did kind of were trying to capture what D&D did with a generic fantasy fits all with science fiction. And I sure. was ecstatic. I was all over that game. I've got quite, I've got a shelf of mostly Star Drive stuff. I'm, I love it, into it, but it kind of does that. You get the books here. These tell you the, 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 the game masters and players guide, tell you how to play it and stuff like that. But then you got like the Star Drive book or the Dark Matter book that kind of draws you into the settings in the world. So yeah, I guess that is kind of a way that's done. Imagine the world of darkness books. The funny part nowadays, we're like, yeah, okay, we know. But but imagine the world of darkness books in the nineties. Or even, oh, I, rem I remember that. Now, I, I remember I, the first time I saw one was nineteen ninety three or four. I want to oh, say yeah. my buddy got the vampire regular role playing game. We've tried to play it a few times. It was a whole different thing, but imagine trying to strip, imagine your initial, the initial offering is a one page like, hey, there's a vamp, there's a world of vampires, you're a vampire, you're a monster, but you're trying to resist the urge that that go have fun and hear the stats. <laughs> no, man, you needed this absurdly overwrought, beautiful, very, very 90s, uh, <laughs> you know, prose oh. text to lure you. I remember I was nursing a broken heart reading werewolf the apocalypse about rage and if we're all gonna go and i'm like yeah it's all over and and werewolf the apocalypse got me through a dark time by talking about its own dark you know and but the point is i don't know that i would have wanted to go play a snarling werewolf whatever if you just you know it, it needed to lure me in with that like the with the what it was with the beauty of what it was for the time. How about that? It was very much of its time too. It was very appropriate for that. It was, I was, I was in some of those goth clubs in the mid nineties when the people were running around playing that game inside yeah. the clubs. It's like it changed gaming, man. It changed it. World of darkness changed gaming dramatically and for the better, not even a question about that. It, 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 it evolved it in a way that it needed in order to grow. I had, I had a group of friends that wanted, I remember I was always, I was kind of a turd growing up. I'm not going to lie. I was a turd. I was too punk for everything. Everything I was just a snotty little brat about. Oh, that's not punk and over. That's not cool enough. Everything had to be like heavy metal or punk rock or something. I was obnoxious. <laughs> everything I liked was better and cooler than everybody else's. And kids were getting, people were getting into the vampire. And they, they said, we're going to go play vampire. And they're all dressed very gothy. And I, 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 I uh, you know, I usually had the punk rock thing, you know, heavy metal, punk, weird kid thing going on. But I made sure for vampire night, I found 
an old flannel of my father's and some jeans and dressed like the biggest redneck I could to show up as a redneck vampire at the golf club was my intent. <laughs> like, ha I'll show up and play your game as the hillbilly vampire. <laughs> oh, I was an obnoxious kid. I got over it. <laughs> Why are you like this? <laughs> I try to be kind and considerate now. I've, I've made big changes in my life. <laughs> I will never forget that though. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> yeah, I never did the LARPs, but we did do a little bit of, you know, frankly, I didn't do nearly, nearly as much World of Darkness role-playing as I think I could have or should have. You know, it might just be that when that was kicking, it was just at the age where, you know, starting to move away from the gaming and into other things. And I think it's like so many of us came back to it but by the time i came back to it we were in a whole different space of gaming you know so oh the yeah this thing you know i flirted with it but that's all there was some cool stuff coming out that time that we were getting into too besides i like i know that's that's around the time i was just discovered sometime in the 90s mid 90s i was discovering like earth dawn yeah um shadow run and stuff like that it was a lot when did the shadow run come out in the 90s or that come out in the oh, 80s shadow run came out earlier the first edition the anyway, came out fairly early yeah, the first edition that I think that I actually played was uh, was in the 90s. Um, I'm trying to recall. Because we had so many games so often. So many kids were buying so many. We were always trying something new. I can't even tell you what I've played over the years. Gotcha. Someone was always pulling something out. Shadowrun first edition that I have here seems to indicate a, a, a release date of 1989. 89 that's pretty close <laughs> that's, so that's getting into the that's about the cusp of the 90s that's almost no. where the 90s started <laughs> yeah 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 so but uh but in any case yeah it was um it was a it was an interesting time it was an interesting time but all these games all these games for what it's worth you know circling back to what you were asking they all influence the design of a of a, a, a funny enough they all influence the mechanical design in one way or another of a game so showing me or showing anyone who i think who designs if you've ever played a game you know stuff you like and you know stuff you don't and you sort yeah. of salad bar pick and choose like anytime anyone's ever said oh my god dude i love this or i love that i'm like thank you but i can't really take credit for it <laughs> because if i hadn't been such a complete hoe and bought like the absurd amount of games that i have and played the and played and or read them um you know it wouldn't be what it is. So you've got every single person who wrote every single game I've ever had. You have to thank all of them too. <laughs> I really yeah. didn't do, do, do very much. <laughs> I'm a big fan of reading game rules. Like I, I have read probably more rule sets than I've been able to run. Just hands down, I have. I haven't read every rule set that I've played over the years. A lot of them I have. Like if someone else is DMing, there's a few that I've like, okay, I'm jumping in here, figure out how to make a character and play. But yeah, I've I've read far more rule sets than I've been able to actually get to playing, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> the only one, Powers and Perils. That's one I'm literally struggling my way through. Avalon Hill, when our when the gaming RPG thing started, Avalon Hill was like, you know, war game company Avalon Hill was like. We'll make a role-playing game. And man, they made the war gamiest role-playing game. <laughs> oh my God. It's everything has a subsystem and the rules are written in that Avalon Hill, like 3.1.8.4.2, oh, no. 3.8.1.4.3. Oh my God. It's it's uh yeah, those are those are tough read. It's that's a, a different I don't know if I would enjoy <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't know. I would enjoy that. It's a tough read, dude. Not gonna I lie. mean, and some. I mean, I've read some rough 
reading role-playing games throughout the years, trying to figure <laughs> some things out. And I've had a lot of our stuff too, when we were younger, like we changed and altered rules. I don't know if it was intentionally hundred percent, if it was just, we didn't understand what we were reading and we weren't finding the stuff. We were doing it out of necessity. I know we didn't understand a bunch of stuff like yeah. weapon speeds and whatever. We're like, yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. What, segment, what segment do you go on and whatever? And eh, not to mention there's definitely, there's a bunch of stuff in the DMs guide in the original DMG that cannot possibly have actually been intended to be used on any regular basis. We didn't roll to determine our lifespan. <laughs> roll, to determine, roll to determine if we caught, was it disease or parasitic infection at the beginning of the player's hand of the, the DMG? Wow. Well, we, we talked about this recently. Sometimes a lot, there's a lot of those rules out there. Sometimes it's a matter of what game you want to run, I think, and what you want to bust out and how you want to approach it. So you got all these rules, but you're not intended to use every single rule in that stinking book every single time. It's like sometimes we're gonna, like, oh, we're going to do it by this rule now. If you, it's near impossible to run most games, as they say, rules as written. I think a lot of games, it's near impossible to consistently run them rules as written every time. If depending on the game some of the more uh simplistic streamlined games yeah probably but I any so. yeah. yeah most editions of dungeons and dragons have so many rules and options that there's something most people when they're running it they're doing their thing for sure for sure and i don't think that system is taped together in a way that everything collapses if you pull one pin um yeah. you know it just it just isn't there are some games that all the elements kind of work together and i've I, I've seen where one pin is like the game is significantly less fun, I think, than it would have been had all the pins been in place. I have seen some complex, uh, more complex editions and forms, and I'm not naming names right now, <laughs> that when you start to pull little pins here and there, things do start to crumble a little bit. It's like, yeah. oh, well, you're, you're, you're going to screw this, this and this up, and now you've messed up the game. It's like, well, that doesn't make sense. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, so-and-so's character has absolutely no use because we just completely screwed it all up because we weren't running in the right in the first place now we're trying to implement this rule and it just gets over your head quick that yes. happens yeah no no i i i, I think you're absolutely correct on that. i think you're and i think that does happen less with the simpler games for sure yeah I, that's why i prefer streaming well that's about all we have time for today can you believe time's up <laughs> no <laughs> i think we just started Started talking about 11 seconds ago so that this is crazy but but uh, it's what we expected right yeah well i want to thank you for coming on if you could real quick tell our listeners where they can find you and your uh your games online real quick um well uh, uh the games you can find on drive through rpg and again that's uh prowlers and paragons ultimate edition uh and also buy this axe i hack and in fact, there's already a buy this Axi hack supplement with more stuff. Um, and for anyone who is interested in finding me online, you can find me on Facebook. And we have a uh, Facebook group for Prowlers and Paragons, which is P&P-U-E. If you look for P&P-U-E, the Omniverse, you should find it. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it for now. All right. And as always, you can find us at wobbliesandwizards.com and keep those dice rolling. <laughs>